Hello, guys. It's so good to be with you. Hey, my name's Tim. Um, I'm part of the Elton venue. It's so good to be with you guys tonight. I uh, hope you've been doing well. Um, we are ploughing our way through a series called Move. Uh, and this week, we're talking about the Bible. And if you'd come here at about 10 this morning, you would have had a Bible scholar who knows Greek and is massively fluent. And instead, you guys get me. Joke's on you. This is what happens if you wake up late. Hello. It's so good to be with you guys. Um, I'm going to be uh, talking about the Bible tonight, but I'm not going to be using my expert knowledge of Greek. So, I don't know, maybe that's good. Maybe that's a positive thing. I don't know. Listen to the recording. You'll hear Nick and make a decision for yourself. Um, But we're going to be plowing through this series and... I don't know about you, but I've loved this series. Um, It's so exciting knowing for a start, God has spoken. It's not that, you know, James or anyone else had a particularly good idea about a great preaching series. God has spoken to us. And so we've changed our plans and we're now looking at this big series called Move. And uh, some of you may have heard of this prophetic word about us being prepared. If you like the soil being prepared for what God is yet to do in us and through us as a church. And I love these moments, these moments of expectation knowing God is going to move. He has spoken, and we're waiting for what he is going to do. But not just waiting. We are asking God, God, would you prepare us? Would you make us ready as individuals and make us ready as a church for what you are about to do? And one of the things we're looking at this week is the Bible. And the Bible is so important, not as if you like a, a dusty thing you just have to cover at one stage, but really critical as we press into the plans that God has for this church, knowing the Bible, living the Bible, having the Bible within us is, is not just an optional thing. It's, it's part of who we are as a church. But the reality is there are a myriad of reasons um, why we should discard the Bible, why we feel we should discard the Bible. Whether you're the kind of person who you just love your freedom, you love not being told what to do, and the Bible has a lot of moments where it tells us what to do. Maybe uh, you're a rational person, you love science, you love provable things, you love logic, you love facts, and when you look at the Bible... You struggle to know how a book that's so old, that's written with such literary styles, can actually be used to logically determine where my life should go next. Maybe you're the kind of person who would describe yourself as a postmodern. Although the reality is, no one says, hi, nice to meet you, I'm a postmodern, right? But the reality is, if you are a Westerner who's alive today, you are at least a little bit postmodern. And postmodernism is the belief um, that truth is relative, Okay, so the last few decades we've had um, a lot of multiculturalism, a lot of people in this country and the West in general believing loads of different things, and it's caused lots of conflict. And so uh, some people have come up with a nice idea of, well, why don't we just say that everyone's right in their own little way, and you're right, and you're right, and you're right, and the difficulty is when you say everyone's right you start saying that, like, no one's right. Like, well, you're all right in some funky way, but the reality is no one's really right. And the Bible says very, very clearly, some people are right and some people are wrong. And postmoderns do not enjoy this. And maybe you found this when you're trying to, uh, you know, explain bits of what Jesus taught to a friend or just you yourself. You're opening the Bible and reading it. And the postmodern in me is not happy right now. There is something as I read this where it's, I just really am not comfortable with some people not being right. 
There's another reason we find the Bible uncomfortable. Or maybe, heck, maybe you're just a Christian who struggles to read something longer than 240 characters long. Amen? Is that just me? Is it just me who consumes things at an incredibly rapid pace and the idea of sitting down and reading something that takes longer than two minutes is just outrageous? Like, you want me to read that? And guess what? It's not even originally written in English. It was written in Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew. And it's really difficult to understand. Can't someone just explain it to me in a really, really simple way, preferably in a tweet or in something with pictures would be really, really helpful. But the reality is there are so many challenges when we take a Bible like this one and we open it up. There are so many challenges to understanding what it means and to apply it to our lives. So there are so many reasons why tonight this is a terrifying, terrifying concept. So it's so important that we look to Jesus who takes the Bible And confidently, full of joy, full of hope, finds truth in this. Finds a rock-solid foundation that we can put our trust in. I find one of the things um, I've I noticed uh, since I've been a Christian for the last 10 years is um, I, I remember particularly when I was a new Christian, I would just long, I'd in prayer ask God, God, I just want to see you powerfully. I want to see something tangible that, 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 that reminds me that you are there, that you are real, that this isn't just imaginary, that I'm not just making it up. We have a guy on Alpha Course at the moment, actually he's been on many Alpha Courses, and one of the things he's saying, in fact, the thing he says for every Alpha Course is, if I just saw a miracle, if I just saw X, then I'd be a Christian. And, and, and the difficulty is, the difficulty is God doesn't work that way. He doesn't respond like a vending machine that you put stuff in and, well, God, you know, I've prayed and you have to respond. And that's, no, 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 no. But what we see, particularly with Jesus, is that he has the Bible and he sees everything he needs to know about God there and there. We have everything we need in the Bible. And I think the tragedy is that we see the Bible as, a, as if you like, a curse, It is the curse of a Christian. I've got to get up early and read, oh, the curse. When the way Jesus sees it, it is an immense treasure. It is the most valuable thing in this whole world that is full of the goodness of his gospel, the wonders of his grace. It describes to us who God is, who we are, the pictures of his majesty, his glory, his wonderful church, his coming revelation of what this new earth and this new heaven will be like. It is full of riches. If only we would get off our butts and actually read it for ourselves. If only we would actually dig into it and find this truth and feed ourselves. Maybe it's, maybe it's not just me who wrestles with this. Maybe it's not just me who struggles with this. So what we're going to spend over the next few minutes is a little bit of time looking specifically at Jesus. What I could do is do something called um, textual criticism and look at why the words of the Bible are trustworthy, why the authors are the people they say they were, why we can trust the actual text. And I think if we were historians here, you would care, and that would be an important thing to do. The reality is, for most people I've spoken to, although they may say, oh, I can't trust the Bible, I'm not sure about the history or things like that, most of us don't really care about the history. Most of us care about why should a book determine the direction of my life? Why should I believe what it says? And this is why we look to Jesus. And so we're going to go through four reasons. 
While over and over again, Jesus referred to scripture, he alluded to scripture, and four characteristics that Jesus uses of the Bible and the way he sees it. First of all, we see the Bible is sufficient. Let's go back to that friend again. If only I had a miracle, then I trust in Jesus. Jesus has a bit of a story that he tells us in one of the parables, and he talks of a rich man and a poor man. Both of them die. One of them goes to heaven, and one of them goes to judgment. And the man in judgment looks over to the man over in heaven and says, Warn my brothers. Warn my brothers who are still, they haven't died yet. They don't know about the coming judgment. They don't know about the good news of the gospel. They don't know about Jesus. Warn them. Come and miraculously appear to them. Then they'll believe. But what Jesus says is, no, they won't. They, they could see miracle after miracle after miracle, but they've had the scriptures. He says they have the law, they have the prophets, they have everything they need to trust in God as saviour. They have everything they need to find salvation. They have everything they need in scripture. A miracle won't help. And so some of you have seen this. We're a church, praise God, that sees God perform amazing miracles. And there have been moments even when, I think I've seen moments when we've prayed for someone who's not a Christian and they've been healed. They've seen the power of God in tangible, wonderful ways. And then for some insane reason, they're like, meh. Like as if that just happens, as if that's just quite normal for someone to pray in the name of Jesus and someone gets miraculously healed. But the reality is it's deeper than just a, I need more powerful signs. It's a heart thing. And what the Bible does is it uncovers who we are uncovers who God is and shows us the path to life. Signs are important. Signs are massively important. We've seen throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, and we're called to, as a church, see plenty more of them. Praise God. But our hope is not in those signs. Our hope is in the revealed gospel of Jesus we see in the Bible. And that's why over and over again, we have to know amongst all the excitement of being charismatics and the excitement of having loops in worship and fancy things like that, we come back to time and time again, this ancient book, because Jesus did. And he said over and over again, it is written. He trusted in this book. He called this reliable. He says specifically in John, I've lost myself here, where have I gone? He says, uh, specifically in John, uh, that it is unbreakable, that the Bible is unbreakable. It is sufficient. Andrew Wilson says this, scripture you see is sufficient. It's enough. It reveals who God is and who we are and what God has done about it and what we need to do about it. We don't need extra miracles to reveal the gospel. We don't need extra revelations. We can read the scriptures and if we don't believe, then no amount of party peace skyrocketing will work. We need to hear that truth in the church as well. We don't need visions to believe that heaven is real. We know it is from the scriptures and especially through Jesus. We don't need miracles to confirm that God loves us and we know it's from the scriptures and especially through Jesus. We don't need great wealth or freedom from suffering to tell us that God is for us. We know it from the scriptures and especially through Jesus. As Paul was later to write, scripture has been inspired by God so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, assuming we pay attention to what it says, the Bible is enough. Friends, where are we demanding signs from God before we move, before we respond to what God has already called us to do in the Bible? If you're uncertain of God, 
What do I do next with my life? God, where do I go next? God, you've spoken. What do I do now? We have it in the Bible. The, the reality is the majority of problems we face in this world are usually resolved, not always, but usually when we just know the Bible better. Just to draw, if you like, the curtain aside for a moment, everything that's preached on here, it's not magic, it's not new, it's just stuff from the Bible. And if it's not from the Bible, you probably shouldn't be listening to it anyway. The wonderful thing is, if we just knew the Bible, most of the things we wrestle with on a day-to-day basis, we would not, wouldn't wrestle with anymore. It's not saying life isn't hard. It's not saying life isn't difficult. It's not saying there are genuine challenges in life. But the Bible teaches us the way to see God and the way to see ourselves in such a way that our, our lives we see more of God in. We are released from the worries and the cares of this world when we know this word. And it is trustworthy. Um, so you may ask, so is the Bible reliable? Can I trust it? The Bible was written over a 1,500 year period and included a huge amount of cultural variety, different literature types, blah, blah, blah. And you look at it and you're like, this is complex to understand. There is all this cultural stuff going on that is really tough to understand. But the reality is we see um, Jesus treating it as this unshakable word of God. He says, as I said previously, he said in the middle of John 10, scripture cannot be broken. And it means that when we look at the Bible, we can say, okay, this is a different culture. These are different people, but I can trust it. Jesus used it um, in, in arguments. He used it in defending who he was, what the coming kingdom was, and what our response should be. And friends, so can we. It means that this is not an ancient old book. This is one that is applicable to us. It speaks directly to us. And Jesus agrees with Paul who says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Jesus' opinion on the Bible is important because as God, literally everything he said was the words of God. So if anyone did not need this, it would have been Jesus. He was there, just like even just his general conversation and his chit-chat, the small talk of Jesus, if you like, is literally the very words of God. This guy, if anyone, did not need the Bible. And yet he over and over again referred to it and said, no, 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 it is written. Because the scriptures are a rock-solid foundation for us to live our lives on. Even in our worship um, just a little earlier on, there are over and over again, there were these scriptures that were brought forth. And, and I love this interplay between the Holy Spirit and the Bible. In that we had little stories there. People I don't, I don't really know, but who God has spoken to them through scripture. And then the Holy Spirit comes and stirs that into reminder. That's the interplay we see between the Holy Spirit and scripture. And if fundamentally, if we can't trust the Bible... If we struggle to trust it, if we struggle to trust it in the same way that Jesus trusted it, we are going to struggle as we go forward. As God calls us to do things that are difficult, as things come up in our life that are difficult to wrestle with and we don't believe this is trustworthy, life is tough. Life is hard. But when you go through life knowing my feet is in a rock. I am, I am on a foundation that cannot be moved. In the gospel that I see in the scripture, we can face anything, friends. You read stories of Christians who went through the most in, incredibly difficult times. They were thrown in prison, crucified, tortured, and you wonder how they survived. They had a rock-solid trust in God that they saw in scripture. 
I love the stories you hear from places like China and places like Russia, where at, at periods of time, the Bible was banned and you couldn't get hold of one at all. And so um, to be a Christian in that country meant basically hearing word of mouth. And so every now and again, a Bible would slip through. And you read about the Chinese church in the early days. And what they do is they tear every Bible into a number of pages and they distribute these pages. And these Christians who in absolute poverty had heard about the good news of Jesus, knowing every day they stayed alive was a potential day they could be killed for being a Christian, clung onto these words of scripture. They memorized these entire pages because they knew when they passed it on to another Christian, they'd probably never get it back again. They clung on to scripture knowing that in it they found the hope of Jesus. Do we treat our Bibles in similar ways? Yeah? I've got loads of Bibles in my house. I don't know about you. And do I treat my Bible with the same kind of, this is full of treasure that I can trust in? Do we do that? Number three, the Bible has authority. To be honest, I I may as well stand up here and swear it will be less offensive than the word authority. Authority to our Western culture is not a very popular word. And I'm going to use it lots for the next few minutes, so hang in there. But authority is something that the Bible, um, if you like, it has weight. It has an authority over us. And Jesus used it as an authoritative word. Hebrews says this, for the The word of God is a living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and the spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Bible says elsewhere that we all submit to something. We all worship something in this world. It may be the, the love of money. It may be what people think of us. It may be a sense of uh, feeling loved. It may be an experience. But we all bow the knee to something. We all submit, if you like, to an authority. The revolutionary news of the kingdom is just switching that authority. I'm no longer going to submit to the authorities of this world. I'm no longer going to be um, dictated by what people say about me. I'm no longer going to live for the glory of this world, for the money I can make, for how senior a job position I can get. I'm no longer going to live for what this, says, what this world says over me or the desires within me. They are no longer the authority in my life. I live for Jesus. And that's what it means to submit to the authority of the Bible. That's what it means to read the Bible and say, well, God is my authority now. I'm going to follow that. And am I saying this is easy? No, this is not easy. In fact, if we're reading the Bible properly, it's actually really uncomfortable. Some of you remember the picture uh, a few weeks back. I'm going to say it again because I thought it was great. And apparently you guys thought it was great as well. But you have that moment. Say you're on the 724 to London. And the train's busy because it's always busy. And because they've dropped two carriages. And you hate them, but you're stuck with it. And that's how you can get to work. So you cram onto this train. You squeeze yourself onto this train and hold your breath in until the doors close. And then you let go. But you're, st- you're stuck. You're like this. And, and you're, 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 it's, you've just become really familiar with being uncomfortable. You've got like someone's armpit in your face and someone's hair in your mouth and you can't breathe. But that's commuting and it's uncomfortable. And we should be used to when we open this Bible, knowing there's going to be something in here that's uncomfortable that God wants to speak to me about. 
Now, within all of this, we need to understand it. We need to interpret it. We need to unpack it. We need to understand what is God actually saying in this? Because everything I read at first glance isn't necessarily exactly what he's saying. That's why we've got to study it and understand it. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on. But the reality is, it's still going to say stuff that challenges us. And this is good. This is not a bad thing. When we follow Jesus, he doesn't want to leave us as we are. I uh, was speaking to a friend this morning who is a dear brother. I love him. Um, but he's really, he's really wrestling with God. And, and he said, um, but it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm struggling with this area of my life and this area of my life and this area of my life. But God accepts me as I am. Yes, he does. But he doesn't leave you there. He prays God he doesn't leave you there. He takes us as we are, broken, messed up, all kinds of flaws. But he wants to change us. And one of the ways he does that is through this book and reading it as it is. And the difficult things that God speaks over us are for our good because he loves us. He says elsewhere, your word is a lamp for my feet. And we're in a world that is full of confusion and full of complications. And the Bible, if you like, is a lamp for our feet. It shows us where to go. And that way to go isn't necessarily the funnest way. It's certainly not the easiest way, but it is the way that is best for us and points us towards Jesus. And if Jesus is our king, what better is there than that? Lord God, let me follow you in a way that's painful and difficult and tiring and uncomfortable, but let me see Jesus. And that's where the Bible will lead us. And friends, that's why we continue to pick it up day after day and say, this is not easy. You're asking me to do some difficult things here. You are asking me to forgive people I don't want to forgive. You are asking me to submit parts of my life I don't really want to let go of. But you are worth it. You are always worth it. And that's why we submit to the authority of the Bible. Jesus says this, just finally on the authority. Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it and deal with it. And just to, just to I've got a little bit of time, just to, just to stay on the authority thing for a moment. There's a, there's a bit of a picture I find quite helpful. Um, some of you know of um, a guy from a few hundred years ago called Thomas Jefferson who helped write the US Constitution, right? Really big, famous guys. People in the US quote him all the time and he get, it turns out it gets quite boring. He, they quote him a lot of times and he did some apparently really important stuff. One of the less well-known things he did was... Um, it basically created his own Bible. And the way he did that was he had um, a Bible um, and a, a knife or a pair of scissors. And what he did is he found all the bits that he didn't like about it um, and cut them out. And, and, and he cut them out and he carved them out and he started making for himself a new Bible. Because this guy really didn't like the words that were uncomfortable to him. Really didn't like these truths that were uncomfortable to him. This particular guy, he was a deist. He didn't like the idea that God speaks to us today. He didn't like the miracles, so he cut, cut them all out. There you go. That's easy. A sanitized Bible. And it's easy to laugh at Thomas Jefferson, particularly because he's dead and dead guys can't laugh back. Um, but... The reality is when we take a word like this, the Bible, and knowing what it says, having checked, does, does it actually really mean that? And we've gone through all of those steps and we still say fundamentally, I just don't like what this has to say. What we start to do is as dear Thomas Jefferson did, we take a pair of scissors and we start to cut into this Bible we start to cut and take the words that Jesus spoke over to us, the words that God chose to say to us. And we say, no, nah, I don't want that. 
And we take maybe a few other words and we're like, oh, that's, that talks about money. Yeah, I really don't want to have that. Let's cut that bit out. Uh, I can do without that. And the reality is, I know some of you right now, are, oh gosh, you breathe in a little bit and there's little bits of scripture on the floor. What's more shocking is there are Bibles in our houses that are unread, that we don't let the authority of the Bible speak over us as it was intended to do. And so we may as well just have cut up Bibles because there are difficult bits in there, but we're not reading them. God wants to speak to us. He has words for us that are better than life. He has words for us that will release us from the sin that clings so tightly. So friends, what are we going to do? We're going to go about with scissors and go for it with our Bibles. Are we going to let it read into us? Amen? Amen. Awesome. Sweet. I'm glad that worked. I was, a, I was a little worried someone would leave and no one's left yet. So we're, we're going to be okay. All right, that's number three. Number four, the Bible feeds us. Jesus says this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Some of you have known quite tragically, either in your lives or someone else's life, someone who has an eating disorder. Statistically, there are going to be people in this room who have wrestled with this. And you know how detrimental it is. You know how destroying it is from a, um, a physiological point of view and a psychological point of view. It is destructive. And Jesus says, when we do not feed ourselves with the words, we are starving ourselves. We are starving ourselves of everything that God has for us. When we have friends who physically starve themselves, we say, hey, what are you doing? You're starving yourself of something you were made to need. And it's the same with the Bible. When we don't read it, we are missing out on the, the spiritual sustenance that God gave us. That by the power of the Spirit, we, we would be built up in Christ. If you're a Christian today, God's intention for you is to read the Bible. Not to sometimes refer to it, not to come to church. If, imagine the only time you ate was on a Sunday. How awful would that be for the rest of your week? You're just there starving. And you have just like, oh, well, I can't wait for Sunday. The wonderful thing about the Bible is that God has given it to us. So that we would be fed up people. We would be a people who are fed with the nutrition we need in Christ. In Jeremiah it says this, Your words were found and I ate them. Your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Your words became to me a joy. Do you find that when you open the Bible? Because lots of days I don't, right? And, and, and I was chatting to someone the other day. Who's a, who's a good friend and he really struggles with the Bible and, and he just doesn't find joy in it at all. It's only a burden. And, and, and here's my encouragement if that's you today. If you just don't know where to begin, keep trying. I promise you it's worth it. The treasures found within a Bible are more worthwhile than any treasures you could find in, in this world. There are treasures there for you. We just need to dig a bit deeper. And it takes time, it takes effort, it takes discipline, it takes a little bit of reading, it takes, crazily enough, a little bit of academics, but only a bit to receive the goodness that God has for us. And Jesus says this, you, talking to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. Friends, the reason we read the Bible is to see Jesus. I love how we were singing about that today that Jesus is our focus. He is our joy. He is our hope. If we're reading the Bible and missing Jesus, we're missing the point, just like the Pharisees did. When we read the Bible, the question always has to be is, where is Jesus in this? 
Some of them is a bit easier. Gospels. Oh, that's an obvious one. There's Jesus. I see him. Some of them a little more difficult. Numbers. Hmm. Where is Jesus here? But he is. He is. And, and so just like Jesus said, okay, right? Jesus, you've told me you're in here somewhere. I need to find you because I need you today. I need Jesus in my life. That's our desire. That's our cry. And that's why we bother opening these big, complicated books, because it's full of the life of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So this next little bit, I've got a few minutes left, and I'll make this a bit practical, um, because this is a practical problem. And I was chatting with a guy literally this afternoon about the Bible. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. You should totally come, you should totally come to church. You really find it useful, because I'm literally going through this. But I mean, you go to work or something like that. Um, so what I'm going to do is, uh, John, can you bring up that massive bag I've got? Basically, I've brought, none of you asked for this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, I brought all the stuff I find helpful for unpacking a Bible. Some of it may find useful, some of it you definitely won't find useful, but that's okay because I've got the mic and you don't and it's, it's going to work out great. So what we're going to do is go through a few steps of how we get the Bible into us. I'm going to go through what it means to know the Bible, what it means to understand the Bible and what it means to reference the Bible. So first of all, how do we know the Bible? How do we just become familiar with scripture so that, you know, moments like this on Sunday when someone's praying out and referring to a scripture and we have no idea what they're talking about, how do we just become familiar to it so that when life comes at us, we just already know bits of scripture. It's not completely alien to us. There's a few ways that I find particularly helpful. First of all, I've got what I like to call a Bible for drawing. It's more more called a journaling Bible, but basically I just use it for drawing on because the reality is many of us are visual learners and this has a lovely wide bit of space. This is great. It means as you're opening the Bible and asking, Holy Spirit, show me, reveal to me, talk to me. You can make little notes. You can highlight. You can put little arrows around the place. You can draw all these wonderful little pictures. But the point is you're helping to get the Bible into you so it's not just words that wash over. You know, like those stupid announcements on the platforms that you just completely zone out of. Sometimes we do the same thing with the Bible. It's just words that wash over us, becoming over-familiar. No, 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 God, I want to know your word and I want it to go into me. Journaling Bible, super useful. Next up, we've got Bible apps. Could we have uh, a slide of a Bible app somewhere? Oh, actually, no, I don't think I put it up there. No worries. Some of you have Bible apps. They're wonderful and useful. It means that on your phone, you can have the Bible with you straight away. Um, Some of you have study Bibles on there. It means that wherever you are, any moment, you have no excuse There is the opportunity to get to the Bible into your life. There was an app recently I found that's been super, super useful. This is the only time you have permission to go on the app store in the middle of a preach right now. This is the only moment. There is an app called Streetlights, which I found super useful. It is an audio Bible. There were some moments where I maybe struggle to read through long periods of scripture because I get distracted or this thought comes to mind or this happens or this happens, blah, blah, blah. Audio Bibles are so helpful because they help you to, they lead you through the scripture and you hear the whole thing all in one go. There is an app called Streetlights, which is super useful. It's basically spoken word it's amazing I love it I listened to Jude four times on Saturday how exciting is that so I did that because an audio bible just lead me through it and I was doing something boring and I was just listening through to Jude it was brilliant 
really, really helpful. Um, uh, another app you may have found is called Bible in One Year. Some of you may be using this, maybe reading this. Some of you may find the commentary a little irritating, but that's okay. You can hang in there. It's for Jesus. But the Bible in One Year is a really helpful way of in one year getting through the whole of the Bible. And this is really useful because we want to don't just understand the little bits of Scripture we're familiar with. We want to understand all of Scripture, all of what God has to say through us through Scripture. And so it's really helpful. Uh, like where possible, go through as much of the Bible as you can. Bible in one year is really helpful for that. So that's knowing the Bible. Second of all is understanding the Bible. Okay, so you may be familiar with the scripture, you may even remember it, but what on earth do I do with this? I have no idea about the Levitical traditions. How does that relate to my life? I have no idea. This is where we get to the next stage of understanding the Bible and starting to unpack a little bit of what is the context that's going on here? What's the big picture? Help me understand. Help me to find other verses that unpack what's going on in this verse. There are ways of understanding this. First of all, there's a lovely resource called a study Bible. Look at this machine. You could also use it as a weapon if you wanted to. But the study Bibles are super helpful because you'll find if you open them up, it's full of these little footnotes at the bottom. And what these notes have is a little bit of explanation, give you a bit of context, a bit of culture. Maybe there's a map if you're particularly lucky. And, and, and also tons of other verses that relate to it. And what it helps you do is take a verse that at first glance is just odd and starts showing Oh, that's why it's in the Bible. Oh, this makes sense now. And even better, I found Jesus. I saw Jesus in numbers and it's amazing. And study Bibles help us do that. Uh, There's a final thing I want to push and I should have had a slide, but I forgot, my bad. There is a YouTube channel called The Bible Project, which like, honestly, I cannot express enough how helpful it is. Um, I'm not really sure where my preaching would be at without a resource like this that's been so helpful in taking elements of the Bible I've struggled to understand and visually painting this beautiful big picture in it. It's basically an amazing design studio with some theologians who have put together these amazing videos. I know it sounds weird. I'm pushing it really, really hard. Just trust, trust me and go check it out. It will help deepen your understanding of the big things themes of the Bible, and particularly some of those old books that you've just ignored for a little while that you need to grapple with, okay? So that's the study Bible and the Bible projects. And the next step, the number three, um, this is for the really hardcore of you. Some of you uh, are just going to think this is totally crazy, but it is really, really helpful, particularly because I think sometimes there are complaints where even Christians will say, well, the Bible, you can't really understand it. You can't really understand what's going on. The reality is, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You might not all be the kind of person who wants to grapple with Greek, unless you're Nick Harris, but some of you may be. So for a moment, I'm going to take a few minutes and just zip through this, not necessarily because you want to go do it yourself but just so you know it's there it exists if you really wanted to know what this particular word means and why you can there's something here I've got another big book I love big books look at this it's huge systematic theology this is amazing I love this book because it will basically take um, a particular subject like the church or sin or something like that and give you every single verse there is on it so in one place you can see wow I can know this subject so deeply and specifically and the reality is my day to day isn't filled with systematic theology and probably yours isn't either unless you're Nick but the reality is but there are certain moments when there's particular issues we really wrestle with what does God think about this very specific issue and something like systematic theology is really really good at unpacking some of this and just finally if you are 
if you've seen all of this stuff and you just think, it's just too lightweight, you know, like I just need something heavier. Well, there is the original New Testament in Greek and there are amazing, there are amazing tools. I mean, I don't speak Greek, so honestly, I've, I have this book. I don't really know why because I don't speak it, but there are amazing tools. There's one particularly, uh, I'm going to post this on Facebook because I appreciate I've thrown tons of links at you. There is, what, there is a particular site called Bible Web App, which is really, really helpful. And what it does is it's got the English on one side and the Greek on another. And you can go through step by step and see exactly the words that Jesus spoke. I know most of you don't care. And most of you look at me thinking, well, that's great for you. But the reality is, knowing that this is trustworthy, knowing that we can go to the root of it and see, oh yeah, this is real. Knowing that in places like Manchester, where in a library you've got a little fragment of, of John's gospel, which is this immensely old piece of the Bible that reminds us that this is actually true. This is actually real. Knowing that this stuff exists is helpful. You're not necessarily going to open it tomorrow, and that's okay. But the reality is, there is, there is the no- nothing in the Bible that is completely out of reach. Don't see this book as, well, there's so many forbidden places I can't possibly go. No, there are. It is full of richness. It is full of the goodness of God. The reality is, are we getting the word of God into us? Yeah? Are we getting the words that God has spoken to us over our lives into us? Is it feeding us? Is it building us up? Is it challenging us and making us into the people that God wants us to be? Are we becoming more and more like Jesus?